0: Well, good morning. It's good to know you made it. <laughs> uh, I know the the snow ended up not being as bad, which was good news for me. I got a new snowblower, and I used it uh, one time, and uh, the second time I used it, the wheel fell off. <laughs> and I'm not handy at all. I don't know what to do about this. But uh, So I, I did go out this morning, did a little shoveling. Uh, to make sure that it was going to be clear for us. So glad that you're here with us here this morning on what is our second installment of a new series called Ageless God, Modern Message. And the title of the series is important, but the, the subtitle of it, I think, is more important. It's the question, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? We would love, over these next few weeks, for that question to take residence within you, to for you to be challenged with this question, for you to be encouraged with this question, that we would allow ourselves to hear what God might be saying to us, and uh, we're excited about where we might go. Specifically, we're going to be going through the, the book of John, and this is go- going to go along with our groups. Um, there's many groups out there that you could still sign up for. They're going to be meeting at all different times throughout the week, and you're going to be uh, working through not only the text that we're uh, s- sharing on in the, in the Sunday messages, but also the daily readings throughout the book of, of John that we encourage you to, to journey through as, as well. We're definitely we're looking forward to what God might be saying to you through this particular experience. And so we're going to just start right at the very beginning of the book of John in chapter 1. Verses 1 through 18, 18 different verses we're going to be reading here this morning. I saw that some of you brought your Bibles in with you. You could turn there with those. We also have our pew Bibles that are there uh, that you can pull out uh, as well. These nice, pretty, new orange Bibles. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, take one of these home with you. We'd love for you uh, to have it. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Really a a magnificent uh, piece of Scripture uh, that we have for us. Uh, It says this, In the beginning was the Word, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. So in the latest edition of Adventures of Raising a Nearly Three-Year-Old, <laughs> one of the interesting things, our, our children have kind of an age gap. We have an eight-year-old and an almost three-year-old. She'll be three in the middle of February. By and large, that's a really good experience for us because the older one can take care of the younger one and he's really stepped up to the plate most of the time and it's just nice to see them interact in that way. But she is now learning words and she is hearing lots of words and expressions and phrases from her older brother who is eight years old. And so we're, it's kind of an interesting experience trying to get her uh, to understand what not to say or what not to say in a certain way. And you know, what to say in all of those different things. So case in point, one of the recent ones was that um, after giving some instruction to, to her, um, we've started to get this response where she'd say, I can't hear you. And I, I thought at first that it was, she really couldn't hear us, because I was maybe, shut, hey, no more screen time. Turn off your, the TV or, or turn off whatever you have on with you. <laughs> so many devices. Um, and it was far away. So at first I thought, you know, this, she actually didn't hear. But then I got closer and she'd still say, I don't hear you. And then she'd run away. And I realized that, you know, because she had a little smirk on her face, that this was her way of ignoring me. This is the way of turning attention away from the directions that I was uh, giving to her. And of course, we all know this as what scientists call selective auditory attention or selective listening. And I think we all do it at one time or another. It's an important thing to bring about because last week when Pastor Steve talked to us about who actually is the one that has a listening issue, if you remember, he started his message by talking about who's really listening. If we find ourselves frustrated because we haven't heard from God, that deliberate question, who's the one really not listening here? I want to offer sort of an additional question to that, which is, have we been selectively listening to God? That if God was speaking to us, if God was revealing himself through his word, speaking into our lives, have we been only selectively listening because what we have been hearing has been really difficult to to hear. And that's what selective listening is all about. It's not that we can't hear or we can only hear certain parts of what's being said, It's actually that we're filtering in our own minds and bringing to light the things that we actually do wanna hear. We call it confirmation bias. We find ourselves surrounding ourselves with the people that we already agree with or reading the books where we already know what they're gonna say and we're already in agreement with them. We filter out the things that we want to hear and oftentimes throw aside the things that we don't want to hear. But the question is, if we are doing that with God, what might be the implications of that? So in our readings in in John chapter 1, I want to give you a little overview. If you're going to follow the daily readings or um, just, you know, make it as much as you can or be a part of a group or or not, I'd still invite you to, to take a journey with us through the book of John. I want to offer you a little bit of an overview because John is such a unique gospel, and first of all, it was written later than the other Gospels. And if you notice that the book of Mark, for example, is the shortest Gospel, and it's just the, the more sort of plain and, and simple and basic Gospel. And that's the reason why that is, is scholars have said that that is, was the earliest written Gospel. And so it was really just simply uncovering the story, the narrative, that what happened with Jesus and his life, death, and his resurrection. But John was written much later and there was time for the early churches to begin to take root and begin to explore not only what happened with Jesus, the life that he lived, the death that he died and how he was raised again on the third day, but what it all means. And so what you find uniquely in the book of John is there's narrator's explanations of certain things. There's more theological meaning brought to light in this story of Jesus and it makes it so rich and so full of different kinds of layers of of meanings as opposed to some of the other gospels that are presented to us. And John in telling the story and by the way these gospel writers were uh, more than they were historians or, or, or storytellers even, they were evangelists. And the reason why we have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is because they compiled the stories of Jesus and they wrote the story specifically because they wanted people in their, in their time to believe, They were evangelists. They they wanted people to hear the story of Jesus and they wanted them to believe. And they all have different audiences in their mind when they're compiling these stories and writing out the story of Jesus, which is why we have four very different and unique Gospels presented to us. Matthew leans a little bit more heavy towards the Jewish audience of his day. Uh, Luke leans more towards the Gentile audiences of his day. And here we have John, a little bit of mixture of both, but definitely a little bit later where there's a pondering and questioning, what does this all mean? Okay, I've heard the story of Jesus, but what does it mean? And specifically, what does it mean for my life in our world uh, today? And so John uses a whole host of different literary techniques in telling his story and specifically in this verse, the scripture that I just read for you in John 1, 1 through 18. In fact, scholars have wondered that maybe that first 18 verses of John was a hymn, was a a poem or a hymn that the early churches would sing or read together as they gathered together as early communities of faith. Isn't that interesting? And so, And so through that, we get all kinds of rich, imaginary language trying to bring out the layers of meanings that that the author wants to present uh, to us. And all of it focuses, of course, on Jesus. And so in the first 18 verses, John uses deliberate language um, to reveal who Jesus was is and, and and was, and the first word he uses is the word. you notice in your Bible that the word is not a lowercase w in word it's it 's an uppercase w it is the word speaking to something in someone very specific. And the word in in original Greek is the word lagos, and John knew that there was the, both the Jewish and the Greek audiences of his day would have understood the depths and layers of, of the word, this word logos because what the ancient world had come to use that term for was not just words, like we'd read words on a page, but the effect that words have on how we understand and how we shape the world around us. There's an ancient proverb that says that words make Worlds. And those that carry words, those that use words to tell a story, particularly to those who are are unknown people that don't know anything about the story of God in Jesus Christ, that gospel writer is using words with a great deal of responsibility of shaping what God is up to and what Jesus was all about. Words are extremely powerful. It's words that are used to uh, pre- present peace between two warring countries, we use words to to shape and and to create meaning around us and so John takes that that concept and uses it to share how Jesus was there in the beginning. He was the Word, he was with God, and he was God, He was present at the beginning as God spoke the universe into existence as god made the world made the universe through his words jesus was there in the beginning and so as we look at this way this this word word that this logos that that john uses we, we come to an idea that this is the way that we understand God. This is the way that God brings about understanding for who he is, his character, his concern. The other word that he uses is the light. And some of your Bibles might have a capital L for the light, some of them don't. But in the same way, it's used as a descriptor an illustration, a metaphor for who Jesus is. He was there in creation when God separated the light from the darkness. That light, by the way, that is in all people. In all people, that is the light of Jesus Christ. And throughout scripture, we find light being used as an illustration for a host of things, but primarily the very presence of God, the very glory of God. If you notice that, if you read throughout the Old Testament, if an angel of the Lord shows up or some kind of messenger or direct representative of God, usually light will accompany that experience. And where where light um, is uh, or, where the word shapes our understanding, the concept the idea that we get from John on light is is how we experience god it 's how god 's made himself known through experience, and I love this illustration of light because of how simple and easy it is to understand everybody understands light and darkness in fact i 've been um, uh, created a pattern uh, each day before my son goes off to. To wait for the bus, I grab a hold of him and I, I pray a prayer, and I just a simple prayer, and I use light as a way for him to kind of grasp this, but I just I say, uh, dear God, just as the sun comes up and shines your light upon this earth, will you shine in Asher's heart? And you would shine through him to those around him. And does he get this whole depth of theological meaning? Probably not, but he gets it. It makes sense to him because of this word light. It is the experience of God. It's where an idea that's simply in the form of words suddenly becomes a bright idea when it captures us in a certain way. And so here we have two concepts, two uh, correlating concepts that they work together where Jesus is the word in shaping the way we understand God and then Jesus is the light shaping the way or revealing in the way we experience God. God, and both of those are critically important as we understand the crux of what John is getting at, and we see that particularly in verse 18 of chapter one. It says this, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is the, in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. God has made himself known explicitly and particularly Through Jesus. Now this is important to remember. Through all of the infighting and arguments and divisions that exist within Christianity. It's important to remember to go back to Jesus through all of the question marks, through all of the unanswered questions that we have about God and the universe and how everything works and sometimes feeling overwhelmed by all of that, we have to come to the point of hearing John's testimony to say you may not know all of the answers, you may not have all the solutions to the world's problems, but do you have enough in what I'm about to tell you in Jesus? We may not know it all, but we know enough. And what John goes out and sets out to reveal to us about Jesus is that you may not have all of the answers to life, but let me tell you about Jesus, because in Jesus, you will come to know God enough, enough. And so, we always return to Jesus. God has made himself known through Jesus, And it's through that event, through that action of God making himself known, that also creates distinction and also reveals the the human condition. And, And John talks about that as well. He begins by highlighting in verse 10 how the world, even though the world was created by him, they did not understand or they did not recognize him. You see, the word was spoken, it was revealed, and yet there was no understanding of who God was. These are the people all throughout the earth, especially in the ancient world, you can think about how everyone believed in a God, one form of God or the other, but there were all kinds of, most cultures in the ancient world believed in many gods, and particularly the Greeks, the Romans and the Greeks that existed in John's day in the late first century. And so there were people that would live their lives, they were created beings, but they didn't understand who God was. They did not accept the word about him. But then he goes on and he, and he offers uh, a, a, another group of people, and these are the people that did not receive the light. It wasn't that they didn't know the world or the word. It doesn't mean, it's not that they didn't understand who God was. They knew God very well, except that they refused to follow his ways. It says they were his own, but they did not accept him. They did not receive him. And so we have these two groups of people that while God has made himself known, they did not recognize him. And while God has claimed some to be his own, they knew his ways, they knew the word, and yet they still rejected, rejected him. There were some that heard the word and they shaped, that shaped their understanding, but they were unable to follow through Into the experience, the living in the light that God offers. Now, Jesus talks about this especially to his Jewish audience that we read about in all of the different Gospels. If you go to Matthew chapter seven, you'll find a story that Jesus talks about and how there was a builder. He uses this in a parable and illustration. There's a build. There's two builders. There's a wise builder and there is a foolish builder. Some of you might recognize this story. And the wise builder. He built his house on the rock, and the foolish builder, he built his house on sand, and the house, the weather beat against it, it, and the house was washed away. What was the meaning of that parable? That those who heard the word, both groups of people, the wise and the foolish, both of them heard, you notice that? Both of them heard the word of God, but the foolish builder was the one who did not put anything into practice did not accept the implications of what following the word, living in the light, actually meant. Or as uh, James says uh, in his letter to the churches, James chapter one, verses 22 to 25, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I think it was Mark Twain who was attributed to the quote that it's not what I understand about the Bible that gives me trouble. It's what I do understand. It's not what I don't understand about the Bible that gives me trouble. It's what I do understand. It's the implications of not just receiving the word of God, but the implications of what it means to truly live it out. And wasn't that the story of Israel? Wasn't it the story of how God revealed himself, rescuing them, liberating them out of Egypt, claiming them as his own, saying that they would be a light until the nations and established for them what it would look like to live in relationship with them, but then deciding that they would go their own way and live a different life. Living in the light of Jesus Christ is challenging and pressing for us because, as any scientist will tell you, light is always moving. It's always traveling. It's always Going somewhere it's never static uh, in a couple weeks I'm going to be visiting my parents um, they're living in, in Florida and I've had just about enough of my mom sending me those pictures wish you were here pictures you know of her on the beach and the sun and all of that here we are freezing to death up here in, in Ohio and so in a couple weeks we're going to go down there and I'm going to enjoy some sun myself you know I'm going I'm to relax and, and have a good time and, you know, I'm going to sit in the sun and sit on the beach and I'm going to soak it up and I might even come back with a little tan and it's, it's going to be great. But here's what I know about this experience. I'm not going to stay down there. <laughs> you know, it's not going to last. It's going to be great for the time that it is, but it's not going to last. It's not meant to last. And the light of God in Jesus Christ was not meant so that we could simply work on our spiritual tan. It molds and shapes us. It guides us into deeper waters. It moves us into new places so that we can reflect the light of God into the darkness around us. How difficult it is not just to hear the word of God, but to actually do something about it. And that's really the crux of of why we're taking this journey, ageless God, modern message, is because we want you to hear from God, yes, we want you to hear from God, but we also wanna challenge and encourage you to do something about it once once you hear. In the group setting, and I hope that you have a chance to sign up for a group, in the group setting, we'll be practicing this specifically through praying the scriptures. And we're going to be doing that through using PRAY as an acronym, P-R-A-Y. The, the P will start, stand for simply prayer, where we just ask God to speak to us. It's very simple. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. I, I know that sounds really simple, but how often do we really do that before we start reading the scriptures? Lord, I'm going to trust that you're saying something to me today. So that's the P, the PRAY. The next is R, where we read. And read is not just a, a simple thing. We want you to really read it. I mean, really take your time with it. Comb through it. Investigate it. Ask questions along your way. Take your time with it and not simply read it to check the box that you've read the scripture. The, and then there's the A, which is to simply ask. And we, um, we're going to be asking God to speak to us through the scripture through three questions Three specific questions. And, and it's, these are the questions. How are we going to love Jesus? What is the scripture saying how I can live like Jesus? And what is the scripture telling me and how I can lead others to Jesus? Another way of saying this is simply the greatest commandment. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can do that one as well but it's specifically asking, okay, God, what are you saying to me? What is the saying to me about how I can be more devoted to Jesus, how I can develop a love for God? And so when I, when I practice my faith, I'm doing it out of the compulsion of my heart because I just, I love Jesus. What is it saying to you about living like Jesus, following Jesus's ways, wherever it might lead you? some of the most simple directives of Jesus that we read about in the scripture are the most difficult. I, I know it's really popular to investigate, you know, the, the historical nature of the gospels and try to find new, I swear there's a new video from the History Channel every single year about what Jesus, this, this theory and, and that theory, and that's all kind of interesting and everything, but you know what? I, I think about some of these words where Jesus says, you know, love your enemy, <laughs> turn the other cheek and I realized, you know, I get it but I'm going to spend my whole life working on that one. How's it teaching me to live like Jesus and to truly, truly allow God to speak and challenge our hearts as 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 we set a course for life? And then finally, how we're leading others to Jesus. What does that look like? What is God saying to us And how he's placed certain people and situations directly in our pathway so that we can reflect his light. Love, live, lead. And we'll ask our groups to maybe journal or discuss what the scripture is saying specifically in those ways. And then finally the why, which is yield. Finally, okay, now what are you gonna do about it? What's your plan? How are you going to put this into into motion, into action? This is the foundational theme that, that John presents to us. It's, yes, let me tell you the word. Let me reveal to you the story of Jesus so that you can understand with your minds. But also, let me tell you the meaning of it so you can allow that word to take root within you and change your life forever. So my prayer is that you would hear that call, not only to understand, but also to live. And I pray, I pray that you would be hearing some new things and that you would be excited and maybe a little scared to begin to make a plan for how you're going to to live that out. And God will, will be with us all as we do this. Let's pray together. So, Lord, speak to us, we pray. Use your word to speak into our hearts. Yes, that we would understand, but help us also to live in the light of Jesus, to go wherever he sends us and to follow him wherever he leads I pray for each person here, wherever they stand with you and their relationship with God. I pray, Lord, that in this new year, in this time as we lead to the Easter season, I pray that during this time, Lord, that you would reveal to us and give us courage to take that next step, whatever it might be, of drawing closer to you so that when we look back, when we arrive at this Easter time celebrating the resurrection, I pray, God, that we would stand victorious and grateful for how we've grown in these next few weeks. This is our prayer. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would
1: you stand with us? Praise the Lord for his word. sing
0: tables out there uh, for you to to explore uh, if there's a time that works for you to to sign up for a group and there's a guide that kind of you could take home with you to kind of look through that if you want to sign up. There are people out there you can ask questions to so I encourage you to do that if you have any questions about this. Uh, Also for those of us uh, that are um, part of the membership of of the church. We have a congregational meeting uh, next Sunday. And so in preparation for that, we have a little packet for you to pick up. That is at the guest services desk. So we want to make you aware of that. Of course, all this being a part of the community of faith in which we continue to grow and allow God uh, in his word to take root within us so that we can live within his light. And I'm so grateful that we can do that together as a community of, of faith. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we have uh, that opportunity and encourage you to take advantage of that as well. Uh, so people of God, as you go, go with the word in your hearts, living in the light that he can shine in you and around you and through you. Go in his peace, amen.